Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast preview. We are looking ahead to Texas versus Kansas. I am Chip Brown, and I'm joined by Scott Chasen, who is, uh, well, he runs the show at fog.net on the 24-7 Sports Network, all things Kansas Jayhawks. And Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's nice to catch up. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure Kansas fans are are very excited about uh, basketball season as as they they should be. Is that uh, is that fair? I think that would be the uh, perfect state of things with the football program right <laughs> now. Is like, yeah, it's time to move on to that other sport. Uh, I was rewatching today. I don't know if it was the anniversary or what, but people were sharing the Baker Mayfield video uh, when he was taunting the Kansas crowd and saying, go cheer on basketball. Uh, and I think as compared to a taunt a few years ago, that would actually be like a, a welcome reprieve at this point in the year. <laughs> well, let's, um, you know, for Texas fans, Kansas has caused some nervous times, Scott. In fact, last year's game was a win by Texas that felt like a loss to most Texas fans, that 50, 48, um, you know, the 33 yard field goal by Cameron Dicker with no time left to, uh, to, to seal the victory. And I don't think Texas has covered against Kansas each of their last four meetings. And of course that included the upset, uh, by David Beatty's Kansas Jayhawks, uh, effectively ending the Charlie Strong era in 2016. What's going on with this year's Jayhawks under Les Miles, who, who had he's battled COVID uh, yeah. during this season? Well, it, it's been a really different team from the perspective of when Les Miles took over the rebuild, the thought was always that year two was going to be, for lack of a better term, the, the bad year, the worst year, because – of his high school approach not really matching up with the timeline of David Beatty's, uh, the end of David Beatty's tenure, which was a very Juco-heavy approach. He took uh, more than 17 Juco prospects in his final recruiting class, Beatty did. So there's been this kind of deficit where Kansas has a lot of seniors and juniors, but not a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And now you're seeing that Kansas has a decent group of seniors, very few juniors, a few sophomores and a ton of freshmen. So uh, it, it's kind of created this weird imbalance where Kansas's best players are true freshmen. But as you know, and as most people who watch college football know, you don't want most of your best players to be true freshmen. I mean, maybe it's good for the health of the program in the future, uh, but that's usually a sign that your veteran players are not very good. And some of them have performed decently, but there have also been a number of opt-outs and injuries that have uh, I would say decimated the depth on the team when the talent already wasn't there. So th this has just been kind of a, a rough season and, and a, like, I don't even know how to describe it because there were, there was like just a little bit of thought that like, if everything's right, things could go a certain way. And it's just, every single thing has broken the kind of the opposite direction for Kansas. And that's why, you know, if you look at the scores each week and see they're losing by 30 points every game, I mean, I wouldn't tell you that's inflated. That's that's been about the state of this Kansas team to this point. Well, um, Carter Stanley is gone finally. Mm -hmm. um, he's the one who he and Puka Williams both had career days against Texas last year, um, as well as Andrew Parchment in that game. And 
Parchment is still there. Carter Stanley's gone. Puka Williams opted out, what, four games into the season? Was, mm-hmm. there, was there more to that story, Scott? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel like there was because everyone was kind of expecting or, or wondering why he hadn't. Um, and not just because the season was going poorly, um, but also because he was dealing with an ankle or it may have been a lower leg look to me like an ankle injury that had really hindered him in just about every game. And you combine that with, you know, he's playing behind probably the offensive line in football, possibly the worst offensive line in the history of Big 12 football. Um, and, and I can explain why I say that. That's not me, you know, just being dramatic about a, a, a line unit. First of all, Kansas's left tackle and pass protection, according to Pro Football Focus, has graded out uh, between like a zero and a five. That's on a scale between one to 100 multiple times. Uh, Kansas's two tackles are career. One's a career guard who is pretty good at guard, but then had to move to tackle without a spring to learn the position. The other one is a tight end converted into a tackle. And when he wasn't playing well, they went to a, another guard converted into a tackle. Um, Kansas lost all its starts at left tackle and right tackle from the year before. The unit's been a disaster. They averaged 11 tackles for loss allowed in the first four games of the year. They gave up nine sacks to Oklahoma. Their uh, true freshman starting quarterback has been injured in games three times. So that Kansas offensive line is really bad. And you combine that with an injured Puka Williams. And it kind of makes sense why he would say, you know, hold on, I'm, I'm not sure this is the place I want to be right now when I have a ch- chance to go to the draft. Now, obviously, he mentioned he had a family health situation. I don't doubt that, too. Obviously, wish him the best there. But uh, I think at the same time, you know, you can have an adult conversation about it and say there might have been a little bit more to the story just because there were a lot of circumstances going on there. Well, let's talk about that quarterback, um, Jalen Daniels. You mentioned uh, the freshman. What uh, – what are we going to see at the quarterback position on Saturday? If he plays, because it, it is still a question, even after the bye week, just because his the ninth sack he took against Oklahoma, I mean, he laid like sprawled on the, the field, just like no one was sure what had gone on. And, you know, eventually he walked off with help and he was standing on the sidelines. And because Kansas football season is going this way, uh, a fullback actually blocked a player into the sideline, right into Jalen Daniels, who fell back against the brick wall that's uh, right, I guess, behind the benches at at Oklahoma Stadium. Uh, Jalen, he's a mobile quarterback. He's got a huge arm. He can throw it 70-plus yards downfield, uh, just like in a a practice, you know, kind of messing around setting. Um, He puts good zip on the ball. He's quick. Uh, but he's, he's a true freshman. He just turned 18. He wasn't on campus in the spring, not that Kansas got a spring. Uh, and, you know, without the work over the summer, it's very clear that he is behind from a learning the offense standpoint, not behind where he should be. He is where he should be as a, you know, I just turned 18-year-old freshman in a new offensive system. Um, that, that's what he looks like right now. He was not the first choice to start this year. He was the third choice. Uh, Kansas worked out two veteran quarterbacks. Their first choice got injured. Their second choice wasn't very good. So this is kind of the the situation. And, you know, at times he's looked really bad. And at times he's shown some flashes that made you say, you know, hold on when this guy is in his second, third, fourth, maybe fifth year, uh, you know, maybe he'll have the chance to put some things together. The biggest challenge for Kansas right now and why I don't have high hopes of, of Saturday's game being competitive is there's such a limitation placed on the offense already because of the offensive line's inability to let anything on field. 
And then you combine that with, you know, you're asking a true freshman quarterback who didn't get a spring, who didn't get a summer to make reads in an RPO offense and a zone read offense that they've really had to simplify it for him. And at times it's just made the offense so bland and so vanilla and so predictable that uh, it just kind of puts everyone in a tough situation. So maybe that changes with the buy. Maybe they had another chance to, to kind of go over everything and, and open up the playbook more. But uh, until that happens, you know, just about every defense they face is going to be salivating, knowing that Kansas can't do all the things it would normally want to do uh, if this had been a, a normal type of season. Yeah, and I, I thought Andrew Parchment was an all-Big 12 player last year. And obviously, without a quarterback who can get him the ball, his numbers have fallen off. And what about the skill talent on offense? Who's who's standing out other than um, than the flashes from Jalen Daniels at quarterback? Yeah, you know, Parchment in the first game had a couple of opportunities. He he made a, I think I recall one nice touchdown catch on a fade route, but. You're dead on there. He he hasn't had someone who can get him the ball, and he hasn't had the ability to get downfield. He's a deep threat. That's what he does. And when plays can't develop, he you know he'll be ten yards past the line of scrimmage, and Jalen Daniels is running for his life. And so um, I think that's really frustrated him. We really saw that after the Oklahoma game when he flat out said, you know, I'm winning my one-on-one battles kind of implying that everyone else needs to start winning their one-on-one battles too. But he is an All-Big 12 talent, um, and that was on display last year. Now the JX are down Stephon Robinson, who, you know, a lot of people thought Kansas might have had the best 1-2-3 returning skill position talent with Puka, Andrew Parchment, both of which were preseason All-Big 12, and then Stephon Robinson, who had, I want to say, eight touchdowns last year and had a, had a really nice season, came on late. But Robinson's been out, I think he had, Uh, maybe ankle surgery. And so I I don't expect him to play again this year. That's led to the emergence. I use that term very loosely of uh, some true freshman at wide receiver. Luke Grimm has actually been a bit of a surprise. He's a a local kid from Ray Pack. It's a school in the kind of Casey Mo area. He was not a particularly highly rated receiver. Kansas actually worked him out at defensive back when they originally recruited him and got his commitment. But uh, he's shown to have a really nice connection with Jalen Daniels. He was a big part of the game plan in the Oklahoma game. And now, without Puka Williams, I would say he's as much of a focal point as anyone else just because uh, what Parchment does best hasn't really had the opportunity to happen uh, thus far. And and Luke Grimm has kind of been that guy to build up a connection with Jalen Daniels. We are previewing the Texas-Kansas game right here on the flagship podcast. We'll be right back with Scott Chasen uh, of Fog.net on the 24-7 Sports Network. Scott, um, defensively, well, before we leave the offense, are there signs that some of the young talent that is struggling right now might become, um, they might become players who can help Kansas eventually? I think so. I I think most evident was probably on the offensive line where there was a play in the game against Iowa State where Jalen Daniels, a true freshman, ran for a touchdown. And on the play, his center was a true freshman. His right guard was a true freshman. His left guard was a redshirt freshman. The lead blocking tight end was a true sophomore. And the running back he faked an option pitch to was a true freshman. And now a lot of those guys were in there because of injury. Kansas's normal offensive line is more veteran, although 
I'd argue there isn't that much of a difference going from the more veteran players to the true freshmen who have actually flashed at times. But I think there are a couple true freshmen on the offensive line. Uh, Armage Adams-Reed, who is um, a, a tackle who's played guard mostly because of just the, the way the season has gone. He's more of a guard in terms of depth. Uh, and then you have Bryce Cabaldew, who has only been he, – he's only barely played, I would say, this year. But Les Miles recently said he's been injured. A true freshman they have uh, a lot of high hopes for. And then Garrett Jones has actually spent some time as backup center. I do think those young offensive linemen are talented. But very clearly they're, you know, freshman offensive linemen who didn't get a spring, who, who maybe still need to learn, still need to get in that strength program. But uh, I think in terms of, of flashes you've seen, a little bit at the quarterback, you know, Jalen Daniels still hasn't thrown for a touchdown, but he's run for a few of them, uh, and he does have a really strong arm. So I think that gives people hope. Um, I think they're, the Jayhawks like the receivers they have in the freshman group. They haven't all necessarily shown it yet, and they've dealt with some injury there too. Um, and then up front, I, I do think they have some good freshman alignment. I've said this for a couple weeks now, and I think it's most evident on defense but on offense too. If Les Miles' next two recruiting classes are like his first two, Kansas in two years, like it, it won't even be a question. They will be a decent to good team in the Big 12. They will be competing for six wins. It's the question of can you continue to get people to buy in, commit, and want to join your program when you're winning no games and getting blown out by 30 a night because, you know, that's, that's what Les Miles has to answer for right now. And if Jalen Daniels is not uh, okay or effective at quarterback, who would we see? Well, the two options would be Miles Kendrick, who's been the backup mostly this year, and Thomas McVitie, who started the first game. McVitie, I should say. Uh, started the first game, got knocked out by a shoulder injury, He's dressed a few times since, but we haven't seen him play in games. Uh, if you go and look at the box score from the first game, his stats, McVitie's, were pretty terrible, but he actually played well. So he had one interception that hit a freshman receiver in the hands, popped up, it was intercepted. He also had two deep balls, 40 yards in the air. One was dropped by Andrew Parchment. The other was pass interference. I think he got off like seven or eight pass attempts, and that was three of them. So – uh, that gives you an indication pro football focus actually graded him out in the eighties, which is a very good grade for a quarterback, despite his numbers being like two of seven for nine yards or something, because pro football focus grades, what happens on the play, obviously, and not just the result. Miles Kendrick is very limited. He'd be the probably more likely guy. Doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the arm, doesn't have a lot of the traits that either of the other guys have, but what he does have is maybe more of a familiarity understanding of the offense and the ability to make reads um, it, it, I've kind of joked at times that if Kansas could combine Thomas McVitie and Miles Kendrick into one quarterback, that'd be a pretty good quarterback. You'd have someone who understands it all, and then you have someone who has all the physical tools. Uh, but that's not the situation right now. So I would guess if Jalen can't go, it'd be Miles Kendrick. Uh, and if you know, maybe if Thomas McVitie is healthy, they turn to him. But to me, Thomas McVitie has been the name that has always intrigued me. Uh, and and even in limited action, he ran the ball well too. He's he's extremely mobile and has great straight line speed. Uh, but yeah, he's been dealing with a shoulder injury most of the season. Uh, talking to Scott Chasen of fog.net, um, previewing Texas and Kansas. And what about the Kansas defense, Scott? Where, where are the bright spots and where are the lowlights? You know, the defense has actually been 
um, a lot better than the numbers look. It's it's such a dichotomy to just go from the offense where it's like everything is on fire and wrong and bad, uh, whereas the defense has actually been solid at times. And, and the example I'd give is against Kansas State, Kansas trailed 34-7 to at the half. So they were down 34-7. to The defense had given up one touchdown at that point. The other touchdowns were a pick six, two punt return touchdowns, and even then, Kansas State started two drives, I believe at like the 19 and the 39 of Kansas, and the defense held them to field goals both times. And the one touchdown they had even given up came after a muffed punt. So the Kansas defense forced the three and out, got the ball back, and Kansas muffed the punt. And then finally, Kansas State scored an offensive touchdown. It hasn't always been like that. I thought the defense was great in that game. They still gave up 50 points because, like I mentioned, you have three non-offensive touchdowns. And and eventually you're just on the field for so many plays you wear down against Oklahoma. The defense was bad as well, but, but there have been times this year. Um, I think of games against West Virginia, Oklahoma state to start the game, uh, Baylor as well, where the defense maybe strings five good defensive possessions together, but the offense just goes three and out, three and out, three and out. So uh, a common refrain you've heard from Les miles this year is you can't evaluate this defense because the defense has to play 90 plays against a big 12 team and doesn't have the depth to do it. Um, in terms of playmakers, Kansas has a cornerback in Karan Prunty uh, who has gotten, he's a true freshman. He's gotten better as the season has gone on. Uh, there is little doubt that he is this team's number one shutdown cornerback. Uh, I think he has the chance to be an all big 12 corner. I definitely think he has NFL potential from the day Kansas got him to sign, Les Miles has, I'm not going to say spoken about him with like shock of how good that player is they brought to Kansas, but has pretty much talked him up uh, from the moment uh, that he signed. Uh, Kenny Logan is a guy who plays uh, safety. He's been kind of moved around. He's probably their best uh, in terms of maybe tackling, in terms of physical tools, defensive back. He also returned a kick for a touchdown. Uh, he's been really impressive. He's ranked among the Big 12 leaders in tackles. And then two young guys on the D-line, uh, and those are both Les Miles guys, by the way, and then and two young guys on the D-line. Marcus Harris leads this team in tackles for loss. Dejon Terry, a redshirt freshman, has a couple sacks. Um, they both missed the last game. They're roommates uh, for a COVID-related reason. It could have been contact tracing, um, again, because they are roommates, so that would make sense. Um, but those two guys on the defensive line are really solid. I, I think there's probably a group of five or six guys, maybe you add in uh, Stephen Parker, and a Drew Prox before he opted out, who were really good, um, you know, potentially maybe upper tier, not quite all Big 12 caliber players down the line, or, you know, maybe in another year or two. Problem for the defense, not having the depth, you know, still trying to build up the numbers, but Kansas's defense actually has some pretty good players. They're starting to force a few more takeaways. Uh, the biggest question is depth, health, uh, health, bodies remaining. They need to get their D linemen back. Like I mentioned, they had a couple guys miss the last game, and uh, they also just had another opt-out in the secondary with Davon Ferguson. So the, the unit at times has struggled, but at times I would argue has actually looked really good. And special teams, what, uh, what can Texas fans expect from Kansas' special teams on Saturday? I'm not sure Les Miles knows what to expect <laughs> from Kansas' special teams on Saturday. I, I'll tell you this. I, I do grades every week. I grade each you know, kind of unit. And my special teams grade, I'm pretty sure, has been in the A range twice. And it's been in the F minus or F minus 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 range twice as well. So against Kansas State, Kansas allowed four punt returns of 40 plus yards. I mean, it was an unbelievable uh, special teams display from Kansas State. And I'd argue a lot of that was mistakes by Kansas. Kansas's punt return coverage was awful. 
against Baylor and Kansas State. Kansas allowed multiple return touchdowns. And then yet at other times this year, you've seen Kansas return two kicks for touchdowns. Kansas has looked good in the punting game. Uh, Kansas's starting punter has actually been out for a little bit, so they've uh, had to go to their third string true freshman walk-on punter there. But And that's been an adventure at times. But, you know, Kansas has looked really, really good at times on special teams. And then Kansas has looked Kansas has had record-setting bad performances on special teams. So probably somewhere in between, uh, one of those two extremes would be my guess. But quite frankly, it's happened multiple times in either direction. So uh, I legitimately have no idea what to tell you in that regard. <laughs> well, that uh, how is Les Miles? Because I'm not going to lie, um, trying to get him on the radio the last couple of years was a failed cause. and. He just doesn't seem very accessible, certainly to the out-of-town media. What, what is, what's it been like with Les Miles the last uh, couple seasons? Yeah, it's interesting because I would say maybe before the, the kind of Zoom era, like Kansas was fairly accessible in terms of talking to coaches and, and maybe opening some things up, although you're, you're almost certainly right, not, not quite the same with the, with the out-of-state uh, or out-of-city even media. Um, it, it's been weird in the kind of COVID era. Les Miles is also a different Les Miles uh, than he has been at past stops, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for Kansas. I think it's probably a good thing that he's not, you know, putting his hands on every single thing that's involved with the program, that he can more sit back as, as the, the CEO, so to speak, and say, hey, I'm going to recruit, I'm going to focus on these high school guys, build up the numbers, and I'm going to let my coaches coach. And I I think if you're a Kansas fan, that is all you can hope for and ask for because, you know, Kansas has had – it's funny to think about this. Kansas has had real coaching talent on the coaching staff, just as an example, and you can't even tell sometimes because a coach micromanages or things go so poorly because the players aren't as good – you know, under David Beatty, Kansas had a quarterback's coach in Garrett Riley, uh, brother of Lincoln Riley, who got demoted from quarterback's coach to tight ends and fullbacks. And David Beatty, for those who don't know, routinely would take over. I mean, at one point he was coaching punt return duties because he would micromanage with every single thing that was going on. And Garrett Riley obviously left Kansas. He's now the offensive coordinator for an SMU team that is regularly scoring in the 40s, 50s, I think they've hit the 60s at least once, but they had scored last I checked at least 30 points in every game, and he's their offensive coordinator. And this was the guy who got demoted as Kansas quarterbacks coach. And so you're, you're seeing less miles kind of, I'm not going to say, maybe hands off is, is the right term. I, I don't know. But he's, he's letting his staff kind of do its thing. He's focusing on the recruiting side. He's the CEO. He still controls it. He's still, he's still in meetings. He's still, you know, putting his handprints on some things. But I, I do think it's a, different Les Miles that you're seeing. And, and it's been kind of interesting to watch this latter stage of his career because he's essentially taking a paycheck to rack up a ton of losses on his record. And you know what? He, he, could, end, he could leave Kansas in a couple of years having never won more than three or four games in a year uh, and arguably been a more effective coach than David Beatty, Charlie Weiss, Turner Gale, basically anyone since Mark Mangino, just if he restores the numbers in the program of high school talent. Right now it looks like he's doing it, but again, you know, I told you this earlier, if recruits start looking at Kansas's record and start saying, you know, well, I don't, I don't really care who you are. You're losing a lot of games by a lot of points. I don't, I don't want to come play for you. That will kind of be the turning point that determines whether or not the Les Miles experiment, you know, 
uh, if you want to call it that, has been a success. Can he continue to bring in good classes of high school talent? 2021 looks like it's going to be really, really good for Kansas. Uh, you know, the question is 2022 and then probably 2023. I don't know how much longer Les Miles would even have after that. Good stuff with uh, Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, before we let you go, let's get a uh, let's get a basketball preview on on the Jayhawks. Bill Self, whose son was just named um, GM of the Austin Spurs. Um, what? Uh, how are things looking for Jayhawks basketball? Well, there have been what Bill Self's to the Spurs rumors forever. Maybe they meant the Austin Spurs, not the San Antonio Spurs. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, KU basketball is interesting. Uh, to me, Baylor is the team that has the highest floor and the highest ceiling in the Big 12. I think Baylor is going to be terrific. But Kansas has some real talent. Um, people definitely remember Marcus Garrett. He's going to uh, hold down point guard duties, and uh, it'll be David McCormick who kind of you know, stand, uh, fills in at that center spot for Yudoka Azubuki. And, and those are the two guys who have separated themselves the most so far uh, in, in this preseason slate. After that, you've got one wing you feel really good about, Nochai Abaji. He's a junior. You've got a sophomore in Christian Brown you feel pretty good about. And then you've just got a lot of question marks kind of all over the place. You know, Kansas brought in a McDonald's All-American freshman who's supposed to be a really good shooter. Kansas brought in the number two ranked Juco player in the country, four-star prospect, according to 24-7 Sports. Kansas had a, a trio of freshmen last year, really only one of whom played. One of them was injured. One of them was still developing. A lot of questions at that point. There was a redshirt uh, freshman point guard. It's got some buzz behind the scenes. A lot of pieces right now. It's a lot of guys that you're not sure how they're all going to fit together. But here's what I can tell you. This Kansas team will be great defensively, maybe one of the best in terms of wing defense. Uh, they have a, a plethora of wings and just guys who are long and, and athletic who should be able to make that uh, side of things pretty good. Bill Self trusts his point guard. He loves his point guard. Bill Self likes his starting big man, uh, and the Jayhawks will be playing small. It's going to be a four-guard approach uh, the whole year. I think they have the ceiling to be you know, one of the top five teams in the country. They're going to start the year ranked in that five to ten range by most everyone. Uh, but there are still a lot of things to work out. And if the COVID era makes it harder to get a team to come together with a bunch of newcomers, it would not shock me if Kansas took a little step back uh, than maybe what they've been the last few years. Scott, great stuff. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, big thanks to Scott Chasen of Fog.net uh, for helping us preview Texas and Kansas and give us a little preview of Jayhawks basketball as well. Um, for, for Scott, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for joining us here on the flagship podcast preview. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. <laughs>